Welcome to Karen Feeding, the show where we parent together. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamila Mew, a writer, contributor to Slate's Parent Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I am dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. Today on the show, we have a very interesting letter from a mom who's fed up with her husband thinking he doesn't need to be involved in raising their kids. He even told her that if she needs help, she can hire a nanny. Obviously, we have some thoughts. We're also going to recommend some things we're loving right now and think you might too. And then if you're in the Slate Plus Club, we're going to reveal the parenting resolutions we might make, but absolutely cannot keep this year. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I mean, with the screen time one, I just still think back to Rebecca Lavoie, former mom and dad or fighting host, uh, who said like, she just didn't worry about it and her kids ended up fine. So that's good. whenever like my kids, <laughs> my kids have a long screen day, especially now that we're on break. I'm like, eh, it's fine. Rebecca's kids are fine. My kids will be fine too. I'm, I'm trying to be less hard on myself around the screen time piece. By becoming a Slate Plus member, you'll enjoy a weekly bonus segment and all your beloved Slate podcasts without any advertisements. It's the ultimate way to enhance your listening experience while also providing vital support to the show. You can join Slate Plus today by visiting slate.com slash care plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll see you back here in a minute for our listener question. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. We're back and diving right into our listener question. I need some advice. How do I explain to my husband that I need him to take his share of the parenting load and not a nanny? My husband is the CEO of a successful company. He is a workaholic and travels a lot for work. I used to be a lawyer, but have been a stay-at-home mom for four years. We have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I have always complained to him about his involvement in childcare, but I have been doing it more lately because I'm burnt out. I'm alone with both kids about 80% of the time, and I often end up losing my patience with my oldest, especially around bedtime. The few times my husband helped, i.e. playing with the baby while I put the oldest to bed, but he doesn't get the baby ready for bed himself, I've been able to be more present, calm, and loving with my four-year-old, and it made all the difference in the world. Here's the thing. Whenever I ask my husband to be more present at bedtime, he insists on hiring a nanny to do it instead. I don't want a nanny. I want my kids to have a male role model, and I think they need their dad. I know I wouldn't be burnt out and would be able to manage both kids if only I had some help from him. We've been together for almost 15 years. I was the one making our money for almost 10 years until the startup finally got successful, and I always told him that I'm not with him for the money. I'd much rather have less money and a more involved husband. We've had this conversation a hundred times. He just doesn't understand why he can't be replaced by a nanny for bedtime routine and only wants to be a dad for the fun times. Thoughts? Daddy, not nanny. 
okay, so you've had this conversation a hundred times and he still doesn't get it. This means you have to have the conversation a different way. And I'm sorry that it keeps falling on you to initiate the conversation, but no one else is going to do it because he's not going to have it a different way. You guys got to go to couples therapy for this. You have some very meaningful and understandable grievances and he needs to hear you. That's the first thing that you should do. At the same time, like just to play uh, advocate here uh, for his point of view, I mean, we never had a nanny, so I don't know what that would be like. But like, if you did get a nanny for nighttime, like he keeps insisting, like, is he going to step up more during the day? Um, is he going to be more around on the weekends? Is he going to work less? Is he going to be more mo emotionally invested in the morning? Is he going to make breakfast on the weekends? Is he going to, you know, take the kids to the park so he so you know he can let you breathe a, a little bit on the weekend? Like, or is it just like the nanny is his idea of a band aid and he's not going to kind of change his ways at all and he's going to continue to be a workaholic? So it might be of value just to like hear that side out just to hear him explain what if anything will change you know if you do get a nanny but i don't know what do you all think i say get a male nanny see how he likes that shit <laughs> yes, yes, me <laughs> too. Get, get a manny let this other man come in and put your kids to bed every night and become it you know watch wow. them become attached to him uh -huh. and see how he feels about that that's a I feel That's less a vindictive take. about getting the male nanny, but I also think you should get a male nanny. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> but I didn't even think about it from that. I love. Let's play the this jealousy. Is some, this is some real passive aggression here, hiring a male nanny. Oh yeah, yeah. But that, that I could see that being very effective. I I think it's two different issues, uh, and I think she's mad and and overworked, and wants him to feel that and think she will feel better if he feels that. And I think that triangle in parenting and marriage is bad. If you feel like he has to do this work, um, I think there's the issue He has issue to suffer of, in the same way that I'm suffering? Yes. Uh -huh, I, I uh -huh. And I think that's what's happening here. I'm mm -hmm. just going to... Mm -hmm. I think... This is not to say that she is not doing too much of the labor. I think she is doing too much of the labor. And I think when she says that and he says, just get a nanny, she feels hurt. The nanny might still be the solution, though. Like, I, just because you feel hurt when you hear the solution doesn't mean that that is not a solution. If when she has help at bedtime, things go better and you can afford to get help at bedtime, get the help at bedtime. It doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes the family function. And that's kind of the name of the game here. So I think, one, you should get the nanny. And you should stop doing so much work because you can't afford it, and, right? So that's, like, to me, issue one. Issue number two is that she feels like there's no relationship with her kids and her husband. That is a different issue. But I wonder if you took the the like the only way to have a relationship is to do this bedtime work off the table and then if she's less stressed because someone is helping can you now work on having the actual relationship mm. because just just because he's not doing the work you want him to do there are other ways to build a relationship and i i understand she probably also feels like it's not fair that i have to do the hard work stuff and he gets to come in and be fun dad mm -hmm. but i think there's ways to work on that 
Like, what does she want to do in parenting that feels good or or do outside of parenting that makes her feel good? And how do we get that, right? So that's like the first issue. Uh, does the nanny allow that to happen? Two, what needs to happen to have a to have everybody feel like the kids and dad have a relationship? Okay. And then three, what kind of repair work needs to be done on their marriage? Because I think that this continual fighting has bred a lot of bad feelings. Mm. I think, too, knowing that this evolves, like which parent is doing what and what that relationship looks like evolves a lot as the as the children grow. Um, so this might be a very hard period where he really hates this bedtime stuff and the crying and all the care that's needed. And it's just something that he really hates and doesn't want to do. Um, there will be other stages when, you know, they're preteens and they're yelling at you that maybe she hates that he's much better at doing. But I think there's like multiple issues and the easy one to fix is you're overwhelmed, get a nanny. Yeah, I understand that it may not seem ideal to you and I maintain you should try and get a male nanny. One, to stick it to your husband and two, so the kids are getting that male energy that you want them to have. They are getting a male role model. But there also needs to be a serious conversation with your husband, you know, hopefully with a therapist, because I agree with what Zach says, you are definitely needing mar- of marital therapy. But a conversation with your husband about what he thinks his role should be in these children's lives, you know, because I'm curious to know what your Saturday and Sunday look like. You know, it's one thing to say I'm too tired from working all day to put the kids down, but are you making pancakes on Saturday morning? Are you taking the kids to the park or are you are you working on the weekends, you know, which is possible too? like there needs to be some some serious thought about what his intentions are for the lives of these children. Do you think it's important that he do the like parenting work like this bedtime stuff because I guess I I have had not this fight but similar fights in the like I'm the one who keeps the train on the track and Jeff is like fun and Mm -hmm. if I you know we've had periods in our parenting and I'm just pissed that he's fun and I have to do that I'm not fun (laughs) right Um, and it feels unfair it feels like unfair that I'm the one that has to come in and keep everything on the track. Yeah. And I find that in those moments, the fights we're having are not really about the issue that like, it just feels unfair. The fight is that it feels unfair. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I don't want to always be the not fun parent. Nor that's should you not be. necessarily fixed by him doing a bunch of stuff that he is a, not like I will say quote unquote good at, cause he doesn't do it the same way as me. <laughs> And and B, he doesn't like to do it either. Like, that is not the fix. In, at least in our house has not been the fix. But do you like to do the really hard stuff? Or you do it because no one else is doing it? Like, p- dealing with an ornery kid at bed, who wants to deal with that shit? But someone should. And I believe you both, doesn't mean it has to be 50-50, but I feel like you both should have a feel for, the re- you know, being in the shit. I think for us, like... It's not that I like to do it. It's that it bothers me so much less. And at least for us, what fixed it is when I come out of that, if I come out and he has made me a cup of tea or poured me a glass of wine, and now it is like the acknowledgement that I just did the thing that is really hard 
and now there's some sort of reward or he's acknowledging that makes me not feel at all resentful, which mm-hmm. is kind of the goal. The goal is to me not for it to be like, quote unquote, even, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but <laughs> for us as a family to feel like I feel appreciated and loved. He feels like appreciated and loved, right? I'm not doing all the things I don't want to do, but maybe he's folded the laundry, which I hate doing. And when it's off balance, though, I think what I'm saying is that I want him to do this terrible thing that I'm doing. <laughs> it's terrible. It's like, I want you to feel how terrible this is. Because what I really want is the acknowledgement that this is really hard. Yes. But it's hard to say, like, it's hard in the moment to be like, I don't actually care that you, that you are putting, that you are doing the hard thing. If you will do something else that I don't like doing, and if then when I am done, the acknowledgement is there, like, wow, you did such a great job, and um, here I already got your bath and your book ready, or whatever that mm-hmm. is for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels to me like that is what's missing, like that the mm-hmm. whole family mm-hmm. dynamic is off in terms of who's appreciating who and who's doing what, and she just feels angry. Like, this letter to me just reads like, I am so angry, yeah, she is angry. Um, and I think it's fair to be angry. You know, that's why I think couples therapy is just so important for you guys, because I don't see you getting over this, you know, and I don't see somebody who's a successful CEO feeling like he needs to put a baby to bed. He's providing a lifestyle for you all. You don't have to work anymore. You know, he feels very confident about what he's doing to contribute to the well-being of the family And it's affording you all a certain quality of life. And I know you say you'd rather have less money and a more involved husband, but I don't think he feels that way. You know, obviously he likes the way that things are now. Yeah. And that's yet another thing that therapy will afford you is you all cleanly and clearly clarifying your priorities. Yeah. If there's a mismatch in priorities, then, you know, that that can lead to another conversation. But um, I think that's a great point. And then, yeah, that acknowledgement piece Elizabeth is huge. If Shira like doesn't thank me for making dinner, I get resentful. We definitely have somewhat delineated labor in large part because I work from home and she she works at, you know, she works at her clinic all day. So, yeah, just the acknowledgement piece, I think that that a little bit of that just to feel seen, just to feel like someone is appreci- is seeing how fucking hard you're working is uh is so important. It's easy to get sucked into to thinking that you're doing it all. Like, mm-hmm. I find that, too. Once mm-hmm. I'm already angry, <clears throat> it feels like, well, I did that. You know, you start the list making. I yep. did this, and I do this, and yep. I do this. If you even just take a second to say, okay, I am grateful that this little, you know, that that he does this thing, or he provides, or he... And again, here, there's clearly an imbalance. I'm I'm not saying that you're, that her view is somehow wrong. But if you can come into the discussion with, I I appreciate that you do do this or you do work hard for our family mm-hmm. or that you always drop the kids off for school or pick up, I think even sometimes that little change to be like, oh, yeah, there's actually a ton of stuff to make this family work that's happening. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like we always do like I do bad half the time, you do bad half the time. I mean, maybe that is what you need, but I I think that it need everyone needs to feel appreciated and that it's a team. Did you ever watch Parenthood, the the NBC TV yes. show? There's this thing that Craig T. Nelson, like the the patriarch of the family, he was going through it with his wife, um, and I don't remember if they went to therapy or not, but 
he started to say this, um, I see you and I hear you to his wife. And that's something that she and I have always said since then. And it's kind of cheesy, but like, if you actually say that out loud, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of great. I see you yeah. and I hear you. That's great. Yeah. We use the, like, um, where you repeat back what you're hearing, like, mm-hmm. like I hear that you're saying that this is really hard and you think I don't appreciate it. Cause mm-hmm. it's like hearing your partner or your child or anybody say the thing you're trying to communicate. It, it it's like, Oh, you do hear me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. I feel like, although this is the, the get the nanny feels so hurtful, but I just feel like at the core, this is such a like normal th- thing. Families are figuring out. And I feel so much for this letter writer. Yeah. So thank you letter writer for writing. And I think this is great. I really hope things, get better and you you can you can find a way to feel heard and work towards a solution listeners i'm sure that you guys have some advice too so please send it to karen feeding pod at slate.com you can also leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318 that's also of course where you can send any questions of your own and we might answer it on the show we're gonna take one more break and see you back here for recommendations This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Zach, what are you recommending this week? Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Okay, do you know where I'm going? Wonka, y'all. Wonka. Oh, my God. Uh, As as our listeners know, longtime listeners know, we're big Wonka heads. Uh, We're big Charlie and the Chocolate Factory heads, uh, Roald Dahl fans in our house. I wasn't feeling particularly confident that this new um, Wonka vehicle would work. It's a, it's in theaters now. It's starring Timothy Chalamet as a young Wonka. So it's a prequel. Most of the story isn't taken from uh, the original novel or from the movie. So it's, it's, it's basically a new story um, f- from director, uh, writer Paul King, who did Paddington and Paddington 2, a mm. um, couple classics. And we took Ami and Noah, Shira and I um, took Ami and Noah along with our two friends last week to the theater. This was Ami's first movie theater experience, Noah's second. I am telling you, this new Wonka movie is delightful. It is so good. It exceeded our expectations. It doesn't uh, kind of contain a lot of the darkness and the derangement of the book or, or the movie. Um, and I, I, I didn't care for the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp one much, but 
it has its own tone. There's definitely like some Roald Dahl vibes with some kind of terrible adults um, abusing children. You, you know, you need that in any Roald Dahl story. But for the most part, it's it's effervescent. It's it's um, light. There was no part where I was worried that Ami would would be too scared. You know, he's three. Um, we laughed out loud. We cried. You got to see it for all four of us to give a movie two thumbs up. I don't know if that's happened. No, Encanto, we all loved, but it's it's they're pretty few and far between. To like to to entertain, you know, a three year old to a forty year old. Yeah. Mm. So great. I loved it. I'm so glad it lived up to his expectations. I felt like it had a it had a big uh you know, a high bar for you. So It sure did. And I love Timothy Chalamet, so um and there were there were parts where he was like being like too whimsical, like he was kind of like I don't know, winking too much, but uh he was great. And this this movie's this movie's fantastic. Jamila, what are you recommending? So I have a second recommendation, but mine was also going to be Wonka. <laughs> oh, um, yeah! I tell me what you with, think. I went with my daughter, my nephew, and my sister, um, and I loved it. My nephew loved it. Naima was a little distracted toward the end, you know, like she didn't, she wasn't as into it as I'd hoped she'd been. But what I just really couldn't get past, or what was just so special for me, is that the lead child is a little black girl. Um, her name Noodle. is Calla Lane Noodle. Oh. And, you know, my sister and I were just talking about, like, can you, f- like, when we were children, we just couldn't fathom a big movie like that having a little black girl as the lead yeah. character, you know? Like, she really was, was like, the so emotional center of it. She was, you know? Um, Wonka was still invested in her and taking care of her. Mm-hmm. It was just really, really sweet. Um, so I really enjoyed it. My other recommendation for children 10 and up, uh, well, children 10 and up, if you've had certain conversations already, um, it would be The Color Purple. Mm. It's a phenomenal movie. It's so good. Um, But it's not a movie for children who haven't had conversations about sexual assault and, Mm. and, you know, abuse, because there is some of that that takes place. There's also domestic violence that takes place throughout the film. So if your child is ready for those themes, you know, some may say 12 and up. I'd say 10 and up just because we've already talked about these things with name before. And I took her to see it and she enjoyed it and she was, you know, not freaked out by it. But um, it's just such a really beautifully done movie. The songs are great. It's not as heavy as the original because it's a musical, you know. So even though there is this heavy story of this, you know, woman who is abused throughout her life. Um, there's levity, there's optimism, there's love, and the performances are just all phenomenal. Is it a musical? Do they make it a musical? It's a musical. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then this is a movie of the musical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I am recommending a it's it's a typing program online. It's free. It's called typelit.io. And you are actually typing out a full book. The kids are working on their keyboarding skills. We've been using uh, keyboarding without tears. But my older two are just kind of like bored of the typing, you know, like typing the same sentence. And keyboarding without tears does this like learn about these musicians and stuff. 
But I found this and you type out, they choose a book and they're actually typing out the book. Hmm. Um, so you're sort of reading while you're doing it. Henry has chosen The Great Gatsby and is typing that oh, out. Ambitious. And I, they had Pride and Prejudice on there and now I'm like addicted while they're typing it out. I'm typing this out as well. So you choose one of these little books and you're practicing your keyboard skills while reading this book. I don't know. I find it wow. really wow. fun and charming. Henry is way into it because he loves to read. So it's like he's getting to actually read a book. It saves your progress. Um, so he'll, you know, type out a chapter. You can choose to like go back and fix all your errors or just keep going. I, it's just very fun. Wow. How long so is this going to take to type out a whole lit. book? Io. I mean, forever. I don't think we'll actually finish this way. Okay. But even if he decides to like abandon this and pick up The Great Gatsby and read it, great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's good. We do like 15 to 20 minutes of typing practice most days. Mm-hmm. And they like it when I like race them and do stuff too. And actually we're finding the book. I am, I am, I was very good at the typing exercises. Uh, the book is a lot harder because my, I'm the Austin has a lot of quotations, which I just guess I never really mastered the keystroke for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I slow down, but we're, we're having a good time. And you're doing uh, it on iPads? Uh, they're doing it on like a Chromebook. I'm sure you could do it on an iPad with a with a keyboard. Okay. Um, we just do it on the computer. Just good some good typing practice. Or if you as an adult want to, you know, that sounds meditative in kind of a nice way. It's really nice to like you really get each word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm noticing. I'm like, oh yeah, there's all the stuff I sort of breezed over. Hmm. Anyway, cool. So you can, if you can't go see the movie, type out a book. <laughs> <Type it> out. <laughs> you know. <sighs> well, that's it for our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and of course, tell your friends. This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. <laughs>